When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast where we share traditional stories, told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. Mo and I were playing in the garden, and my 15-year-old daughter Perry came out to join us. I was tossing Mo's snowballs and trying to build an ultimate snow fort. We have a lot of snow on the ground right now, depending on where it fell and settled, 24 to 38 inches or more in places. I began bringing some of the snow shoveled from the front drive on a sled to the back where I was building. My daughter helped, but mostly she played with Mo. The snow fort was getting bigger and bigger and I was creating a cave-like side to the fort, nothing that could collapse or bury anyone, more of an upright shell, or one of those hanging chairs from the 60s and 70s, a cave almost. We got shovels out and built seats into the wall, which were about three feet thick. We made shelves from mugs of hot chocolate, but we needed to make a guard, a snow guard, a warrior princess, to make sure it wasn't knocked down by winter spirits. Taking a break, we went indoors and made sandwiches and hot chocolate to take back outside for a cold picnic lunch. Mo stayed indoors. As we were eating, I saw a number of birds gathering about. Some were eating the bird seed that we had scattered in the back, others were looking at us with curiosity, heads moving, twitching from side to side, watching us, it seemed. When we moved back to carving and sculpting the snow into our snow fort guardian, three birds settled on one of the shelves that we had made in our pseudo-cave. One jumped down to get at crumbs that had fallen from our sandwiches. Another looked like it was sniffing at my hot chocolate. A female cardinal flew over, but instead of sitting with the other birds... She landed on the head of our guardian. Perry and I looked up at the bird, who was definitely watching us. The first teller for today's episode is Antonio Sacra, a man who is filled with joy. He tells tales of growing up bilingually in a Cuban-Irish-American household, as well as folk and fairy tales. His stories have been published in award-winning books and audio recordings. Please enjoy Antonio's story, La Virgin de Guadalupe. There was a native named Juan Diego who was a practicing Catholic. Well, one day as he was walking back from church he saw this vision. There was this beautiful woman floating on the back of an angel. She had rays of light going out from her. She looked at Juan Diego. He fell on his knees. She said, Juan Diego, go to the bishop. Tell him 
that La Virgen de Guadalupe, the Virgin of Guadalupe, wants a church built on this very spot where you are kneeling. Juan Diego couldn't believe it, and with that, he went running back and stood in line the many hours until finally he got an audience with the bishop. He said, Bishop, I saw a vision of the Virgen de Guadalupe. She told me we need to build a church right there on the very spot where I saw her. And the bishop looked at Juan Diego and knew Juan Diego to be a good man and a religious man, but still the bishop said, Oh, Juan, I think that you should go home and get some rest tonight. Juan left. The bishop didn't believe him. He walked home, and all week he had a heavy heart. The next week he went to church, and as he was leaving church again, halfway between the church and his home, he saw La Virgen again. He saw the Virgin again. And she said, Juan, go back to the bishop and tell him La Virgen de Guadalupe demands that a church be built on this very spot. Juan went back, waited the many hours again for an audience with the bishop. The bishop came out. Juan told the whole story again, and the bishop said, Juan, I'm beginning to think that there may be some truth in your story. But I can't be sure. Ask the Virgin for a sign. Juan Diego hung his head and walked home again. And that whole week, the same thing, a heavy heart. The next week after he went to church, he was walking home and again in the same spot he saw La Virgen and he told La Virgen, Virgen, the bishop says that I need to bring a sign. In La Virgen de Guadalupe, she said, Juan, right around the hill, there is a bush of roses. Gather those roses up in your tilma, in your robe, and bring them to the bishop. Well, Juan turned around the hill and he thought, Roses in the middle of the desert? This is craziness. But there, just like La Virgen said, was a beautiful bush of the most amazing roses. He couldn't believe it. He gathered up those roses in his tilma, in his little brown robe, and tied them carefully, and walked as quickly as he could back to the bishop. He waited for his audience with the bishop, and there in front of the bishop he said, I've got a sign from La Virgen de Guadalupe. And with that, he undid his tilma to spill the roses onto the floor, but nothing fell to the floor. And Juan hung his head in shame. When he looked up, everyone was on their knees, praying. Juan couldn't believe it. He followed the eyes of the bishop down to his tilma, and right there on his tilma was the replica of La Virgen de Guadalupe, exactly as she appeared to Juan Diego in the hills. With that, the bishop had his sign, and they built a church for La Virgen, the Basilica de la Virgen de Guadalupe, the Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe. And they took Juan's tilma and hung it back behind the altar. And if you go to Mexico City, you can get off at the stop of the Basilica de la Virgen, and you can see the tilma. They say that 400 years later, it is still perfect. It still looks exactly the way it looked when Juan saw La Virgen. Broken windows, carriage needs a new windshield or windscreen, or maybe something smaller is needed, glassware, glass slippers, a beautiful stained glass window to brighten up the garderobe, something bigger maybe, a glass porch ceiling, or maybe a glass mountain. Contact Messieurs Yangtze and Rinkrank right now. No job too small and no job too large. From Poland and the rest of Europe to India, Indonesia, Mexico, Brazil and Argentina, Messieurs Yangtze and Rinkrank travel globally for all work in glass. Contact them now. This episode is also brought to you by the new patron supporters, Lucy and Henry Clark. <laughs> 
Because they are patrons, Lucy and Henry have the magical ability to hold their noses and force rainbows to fly out of their ears. Also, they are generous supporters of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. Be like Lucy and Henry and become patrons for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards and see if you can blow rainbows out of your ears. The female cardinal looked down at Perry and I. How do I know it was a female? Well, the male is bright red, but the female has these golden feathers with a tinge of red at the tips. They are beautiful. Well, it began to scratch at the head of our little sculpture with its claws. It seemed to be etching hair into our guardian. Perry and I would leave and come back with more snow to add arms and a shield. Perry began to carve out a large cat to lie at the feet of the guardian. When we moved, the cardinal would fly off, but come back and continue her own carving. She called out to the other birds, and a junta came over and began to help. I hope that's how you pronounce it, I'm not sure. They began to use their beaks to carve lines into the forehead and scrape and scratch to carve out ears. Then they flew off into the trees. Perry and I were getting pretty cold, so we went in to warm up and have more hot chocolate. We got a little distracted and didn't go out again that day. The next morning, I let Mo outside and had a look at our guardian snow sculpture. There I found a complete princess warrior made of snow, with a cat smiling, sitting at its feet. There were berries for eyes, corn for teeth, lips carved beautifully. The female cardinal flew over and sat on the snow sculpture's head. I looked at it and asked if it had finished this work of art for us. Another female cardinal and three junters flew down and sang at me. I asked if they had also had a hand, beak, claw in it, and they sang back before taking off into the trees. Talking of stories, our second storyteller is Jamie Oliveira. His stories are drawn from world folktales and presented with participation and accompanying activities. These stories reflect the commonalities we share as people rather than our differences. As a traditionally trained storyteller and arts and educator specialist, his commitment as a storyteller is to promote social justice and good citizenship. I hope you enjoy the story Jamie is sharing today called Mudfish. Out on the Canadian prairie, there is a place where two rivers meet. The Red River, which flows up from the south, and the Assiniboine, which flows from the west. And the place where they meet is called simply the Forks. It is at the heart of the city called Winnipeg. But long before the city was there, long, long ago, at the Forks, there was a village of the first people. And in this village was a little boy who lived with his granny. And in the summertime, people would go down to the river and, and wash their clothes and then wring them out and stretch them to dry on a great rock. They called the drying rock. And one summer afternoon, granny was doing just that. 
She was stretching their clothes out to dry on the rock, and the little boy was down by the river throwing stones into the water just to see how far he could throw them. Poosh! Poosh! Granny, she watched them fondly, and then she got a little twinkle in her eye, and she called out, Hey, grandson, you better be careful where you throw them stones, eh? Why, Granny? Oh, you're liable to wake up old mudfish. <laughs> mudfish? You don't know about mudfish? No, Granny. Oh, let me tell you, grandson. Mudfish is the biggest. He's the meanest. He's the ugliest fish that ever there was. And his favorite trick is to, is to wiggle down in the mud on the bottom till there's nothing showing but a bit of his big old eyeballs and he waits to to some little fishy come swimming by and then he pops up his eyes and he and he puffs up his cheeks and he starts swimming them going boogity 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 and that poor little fishy goes scared swimming crying and when mudfish sees that he starts laughing deep in his belly going oh 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 the little boy was so frightened he ran to his granny and he grasped her legs, hugging tight. He said, Granny, Granny, please, don't let the mudfish get me. Granny was laughing. She pulled him away, and she said, Listen, grandson, mudfish is a bully, and you know what to do about bullies, don't you? No, Granny. The most important thing with bullies is to show them you're not afraid. So if you ever come on a mudfish, this is what you're going to do. Go teach you a little song. And so she taught the boy this song, and, and she had him sing it. They sang it together until he knew it by heart. Mudfish, mudfish, can't you see? You're so big and ugly. Mudfish, mudfish, can't scare me. I'm not afraid of bullies. There you go, grandson. Now go back and play. So the boy went back down to the water to play, but... You know, just to be on the safe side, he didn't throw any more stones. And Granny, she's starting to shake the clothes out, to get the wrinkles out, you know. And on her wrist, Granny had a silver bracelet. Her Granny had given it to her. Her Granny's Granny had given it to her Granny. And, and, and so on, back through time, it was very, very old. And some people even said it held magic. Well, I don't know about that part. But what I do know is when she went to shake out the clothes because her hands were wet, that silver bracelet went sliding off her wrist, flying through the air, and poosh, landed in the middle of the river. Oh no, said Granny. My, my silver bracelet that my granny gave me and my granny's granny gave my granny and so on back in time and now it's down in the river. The little boy said, Don't you worry, Granny. I'll get your bracelet back. You'll do that for me. Yep. You're not scared of the mudfish? Not anymore, Granny. Boy, you're a very brave little boy, and I'm going to help you. And so Granny, she reached out into, into her medicine pouch, and she, she pulled up something all rolled up. It was the skin of a fish, as smooth and soft as leather. And, and she unrolled it, and she gave it to the boy, and, and he wiggled into it, and he said, Granny, I'll be back with your bracelet in no time. And he dove into the water. And now, because of that fish skin, he could swim like a fish. He could, he could breathe underwater like a fish. He could see like a fish. 
So the little boy in the fiskin, he, he swam down deeper and deeper, and there it was, lying on the bottom, glowing faintly in the sunlight that filtered down from above, was Granny's silver bracelet. So he swam down, and he picked it up in his fins, and he turned around, and he started swimming back up. When two big old eyes popped up out of the mud, and big chiefs popped off, and and the mudfish rose up and it started chasing the boy, going, boogity, boogity, boogity. Oh, and the boy was so scared. And the mudfish was coming closer and the boy was swimming. And the mudfish was coming closer and the boy was swimming. And the mudfish was coming closer and the boy was swimming. And he almost got to the surface. And then he stopped to look around. Big mistake. That's all the time the mudfish needed to swim on up and trap the little boy inside his mouth. Ooh. It was dark inside the mudfish's mouth. And it was scary inside the mudfish's mouth. It, and it smelled real bad because the mudfish don't brush his teeth. And that little boy was crying and he was shaking. And when the mudfish heard that, he started laughing deep in his belly going, Ho, ho, ho. He started laughing so hard that that laughter came out of his mouth in a stream of bubbles. And trapped inside one of those bubbles was the little boy in the fish skin still holding on to his granny's bracelet. And when the mudfish saw him like that, ooh, he, he popped up his eyes, he puffed up his cheeks, and he started swimming toward that bubble. Buggity, buggity, buggity. And then maybe, maybe because he was holding on to granny's bracelet, the little boy remembered what his granny had taught him. And he straightened up. And he looked out of that bubble at the mudfish in his big old eyes, and the boy started to sing. Mudfish, mudfish, can't you see? You're so big and ugly. Mudfish, mudfish, can't scare me. I'm not afraid of bullies. Well, this made the mudfish mad. It, it it made him so mad, he, he, he popped up his eyes even more. He, he popped up his cheeks even more. Buggity, buggity, buggity. The boy sang the song again, even a little bit louder this time. Oh, just made the mudfish so mad. He popped up his eyes as far as they would go. He puffed up his cheeks as far as they would go. And he started to shake. But he was so puffed up that when he started to shake, poof, he burst like a balloon. The explosion popped the bubble. The little boy, he swam and swam fast, fast, fast. He leaped out of the water and he landed in his granny's arms. She hugged him and she kissed him, wet fish skin and all. She took back her silver bracelet. She helped him out of the fish skin. They wrung it out. She rolled it up and she put it away in case they ever needed it again. And then she and the little boy walked back with their clothes to the village hand in hand, singing the whole way. Mudfish, mudfish, can't you see? You're so big and ugly. Mudfish, mudfish, can't scare me. I'm not afraid of bullies. Now, all this happened long, long time ago. But to this day, if you ever, if you ever come to the city of Winnipeg and, and you go down to the forks and, and you go down where, where, where the river, the Red River flows up and, and there's just a, a little bit showing of a great big rock now sunk deep in the ground. And you stand by that rock and you, and you look down in the water on a warm summer's morning and, and, and right there just by the edge 
if you're very quiet, you're going to see all these teeny tiny little fish swimming this way, swimming that way, swimming every which way. Those are the pieces of the mudfish trying to fit himself back together. And me, I hope that never happens. <laughs> That's how the story goes. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love, find Antonio and Jamie on the internet, tell them that you heard them on the podcast, and now you want to hear them tell more stories. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast, and me, Simon Brooks, on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks, and on Facebook on my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was... That was me again. And my own walks in the, mo- in the woods with Mo and playing around with my kids. You can visit the virtual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story podcast Instagram and Facebook page. And while you are there, let us know that you have a favourite story that you may have heard or your favourite stories from your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or join the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy this podcast. You'll hear stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket and to this day Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea the fly and the moth that got away if you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight and if you listen really closely you can even hear the festive music from the royal